So there's really opportunity there to save a lot of money and to save, I don't want to speak too broadly here, but save the planet, right? In terms of how efficient each of our different homes can be. Wi-Fi connected devices that work together can save time, energy, and money. We're learning more about that today on The Signal. Hello, this is Martha DeGrasse here again for Wi-Fi Alliance. And this is The Signal, our podcast, where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. And today, we are delighted to welcome Chris LaPrey back to the podcast. He is head of technology at the Connectivity Standards Alliance. Chris, welcome back to The Signal. Thank you, Martha, for having me. It was a lot of fun last time. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) We'll try to have a lot of fun again. So just in case anybody doesn't know what Connectivity Standards Alliance is, formerly the Zigbee Alliance, and you maintain and publish the Zigbee and Matter standards. And Matter is what we're going to talk about today. This is the common language over Wi-Fi devices that helps different kinds of Wi-Fi devices, particularly in a smart home environment, communicate with one another, right? Correct. Just background a little bit. The Connectivity Standards Alliance is now seven different working groups, so including Matter, including Zigbee, and we've also done working groups for product security, data privacy, health and wellness and access control, and a couple other pieces. So we're really trying to be everything that the IoT might need, particularly in the smart home today, but with smart building and smart city connectivity broadly in the future. Very nice. Yeah. And I think we are going to touch a little bit, particularly on your health working group today, because I think there's a lot going on with Matter there, if I'm not mistaken. But first, let's just get the big picture with Matter over Wi-Fi. I think it's been almost a year since we last spoke. So what are some of your key learnings? Yeah. So just, again, just to be clear, Matter is an IP-based protocol, so it does support other transports other than Wi-Fi as well. Wi-Fi is, of course, the popular one, um, the one that's in every household pretty much. So the one that people seem to be leaning towards, particularly for line-powered devices. I think that's maybe one of the key learnings that we've seen is that the two we call out specifically are Wi-Fi and Thread. And Wi-Fi is certainly more available on the market, I think is easy to say. Like if you go to the store and you're looking for Matter devices, um, almost every single one you see will be either Wi-Fi or both Wi-Fi and Thread. So uh, Wi-Fi has been very, very popular. Right, right. Okay, so what are some of the challenges from the past year? I mean, that's a great question. So we released Matter, I think, just before we spoke. And I think there was a lot of the press coverage that we got. Maybe this was my fault. Maybe we weren't being clear enough. But I think people saw, oh, the spec's out. So boom, there's going to be thousands of devices available. And Matter is very much an ingredient brand. It is a, is a, is a framework for creating IoT devices and a certification program and other things. But it does take time. If I want to create a Wi-Fi Matter thermostat, I still have to create thermostat, you know, and it still has to be a good thermostat. And I have to test it, go through my beta programs. I want to make sure that it's really good across the board, not just in its connectivity and in its interoperability with Matter, but in all the other pieces and the user experience and all that. So that for some companies takes months, sometimes years to do that, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing. I don't know if this was unexpected, but it certainly was part of, you know, some people might call it the hype cycle. When we first announced, boom, all these thousands of devices are going to be there. Three months later, where are all the devices? There's no devices, you know, and now a year later, 
there's only a handful of devices out there and they're the simpler devices or maybe a handful of thermostats, just a few door locks, but there are a lot more coming. And I think we'll talk more about that. We're also working on a lot of new device types. And so there's been some learnings on that side as well. We've announced a release every six months. That's our target and we've met that. So we've done a 1.1 release in the spring and then a 1.2 release about a month or so ago. And that 1.2 release did add some new device types. That process as well has taken a little bit longer than some people expected. I think it probably was to be expected in the right time frame. And we can talk more about what those device types are if you're interested, but um, for example, appliances and robot vacuums, air purifiers, those kinds of devices were added to the specification last month. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I would expect there will likely be something of a tipping point because if you're a consumer and you end up getting a Matter device, maybe you were wanting Matter or not wanting Matter, but you get a Wi-Fi connected device and then you realize what Matter is, the next time you go to get another smart home device, you're probably going to think, oh, well, I would like this to talk to maybe not my vacuum cleaner, but my thermostat. There's a lot of things that you might like talking to your thermostat. So there might be a a point at which consumers actually start to look for matter when they're shopping for smart home devices, right? Yeah, I mean, we certainly hope so. And that's certainly somewhere where we're targeting. I think you made a good point. Maybe a robot vacuum doesn't have to talk to too many other devices. But as more and more devices in your home can talk to each other, and what matter is, because it does support other IP technologies as well, your thread devices can talk to your Wi-Fi devices, your Apple devices can talk to your Google devices. It's all that. So you really build that network effect. Some people call the Metcalf effect in your home in terms of the value of all these devices. The best example I can come up with right now is like if I want to know if a window is open in my home, you know, I want all the windows in my home to have a sensor on them. So that's more and more devices. And that way, like if anyone opens any window in my home, I can make sure that the air conditioner gets turned off automatically by some rule. But let's say I just put a sensor on one window. Well, then if anyone opens a different window, it doesn't work. So the value of that rule really does follow the number of devices that I have connected to my network. And again, in my opinion, you want that across ecosystem and across protocols even. Right. So which device type do you think represents the biggest opportunity? Where do you think that matter will have the most traction? So where we've lived up until now with 1.0 devices was very much traditional smart home devices. And you, know, you see in 1.2 where we moved to was appliances. Well, where I'm really interested in, and I think we touched on this a little bit last time, is energy management. If all of the devices in my home, particularly uh, what we call the large flexible loads, my thermostat is the one that we support today, but an electric vehicle charger, my water heater, a pool pump if I happen to have a pool, there's two or three other sort of major ones that are coming in my head right now. But if I have all those connected to a single app or some single service, that service can really start to save me some money. You know, like I always use the example of like, if I plug my electric vehicle in and it's the middle of the day, it's at 85%, you probably don't want me spending peak hour pricing to go from 85% to 87%. That's not gonna help me in the grand scheme of things. So just don't do that. In fact, you might even wanna pull energy out of your car charger, your car batteries in order to not spend money on your your electric dryer or something like that, you might want to stay off of the grid, not be pulling energy from the grid. So there's really opportunity there to save a lot of money and to save, I don't want to speak too broadly here, but save the planet, right? In terms of how efficient each of our different homes can be. If you start to extrapolate that to smart building and other places, it really isn't too much of an extrapolation to say saving the planet, that this is the type of connectivity, again, across protocol, across ecosystem, all across smart buildings that could really save 
lots and lots of the energy use in the homes. And then you start to add other connectivity like uh, sensors. Like I mentioned, the windows open. If the windows are open, don't be cooling my house. If no one's in that room, don't be heating the room. Don't be having lights on in the room. Just those two simple technologies that we just talked about really can start to change the complexion of what energy use looks like in the world as those sensors and start to become more and more affordable. So how is the enterprise smart building uptake on these types of devices? I know that there's a lot of applications in smart buildings for energy management, but matter specifically, is that something that buyers are becoming aware of? So I I think I have to answer the question uh, with the answer no, not right now. We are still very much smart home focused with matter. So we've already had a number of smart building companies on our board. Uh, We've just named two new ones to the board. Siemens and ABB. And like I mentioned, there was already four or five other companies. So I think they're seeing that that's where we're going to go with smart home. And it's that same technology that I was saying before that has to go to smart building. So there's still some work to be done in making Mm -hmm. matter work, be 100% the right solution for smart building. But I think we're starting to figure out what those problems are and to solve those problems. So I think, you know, maybe a year or two from now is when we'll start to see movement on that side of things. But I I did want to mention smart building and the concept of energy management because obviously smart buildings are a big piece of that on a global level. When you talk about really moving the needle on climate change and everything else, and it's a different problem, right? Because in a smart building, they usually, if it's big enough enterprise, they usually have someone that knows how to make all the devices and systems talk to one another already within that environment. Maybe not if they needed to talk to something in a different location, but within that environment, they can already talk to each other. Correct, and I'm not a commercial building expert, but my understanding there is that it's it's all Wi-Fi, of course, but it's uh, very much a building automation system. So I might use one company for my air conditioning and another company for my lighting and another company for other sensors, but there's one commercial building automation system that sort of connects it all together. And it's at that point where that's just really expensive and all proprietary ways of doing it. And so the way we're seeing matter is once smart home starts to get these low cost energy management systems, that that can start to bring down those costs in building automation systems, particularly for the sensors themselves. They don't have to be expensive sensors. They could be the same sensors you're putting in your home in every room. Uh, so they you know, have to be just a few dollars. Perfect. Now, when I asked you what the biggest challenge had been, I honestly thought you were going to say something about security, because I know that whenever people connect devices in their home or bring in any kind of a new protocol, they're concerned about security. What can you tell people about that as it relates to Matter? So we started Matter about three and a half years ago, four years ago, in order to try to solve an interoperability problem. And so we got all these really smart people from these big companies together to start that problem. And uh, I kind of stopped saying this in the last year since we've launched, but the first word out of everybody's mouth was security. So we spent the first six to eight months maybe almost, I shouldn't say this, but almost doing nothing else but security. So we really focused on that from the beginning and really raised the bar on security. We have a white paper on our website that talks about the 10 target areas that we focused for security. And so across the board, we just made sure that we were doing everything right that we could do for security. And so that hasn't really been a concern as we've gone forward. Most people have looked through our specs um, and we have had a number of security auditors look through our specs just sort of randomly and give us some feedback. But broadly speaking, that feedback has been good job. So that hasn't really been a concern on my mind, but definitely something that I think people are looking at us 
to make sure that we're there. And we're hoping to keep that bar raised high. And, you know, we, it's always an arms race for security. So we don't want to get too cocky in that regard in any capacity, but it's definitely something that we've just got a really great team um, behind us and from our members. And I've just recently hired a security expert as well um, that I'm really excited to have on my staff. We've really put that front and center from our perspective. And so it hasn't been something keeping me up at night like it might have been, as you were saying. Great. Do you know roughly how many types of devices have currently been certified for matter over Wi-Fi? Yeah. So as of last month, so we get this, we, we look at these numbers monthly. Um, and so I don't have the numbers for November yet, but as of the end of October, we've had over 1300 certifications on Wi-Fi. And maybe just to put some color around that, that is certifications. A number of our members, we have silicon companies and other service providers that definitely have certified some products that are not going to be available. So it doesn't mean that there's 1300 Wi-Fi over matter, matter over Wi-Fi products available on the shelves at stores right now. But it is also a sign that I think there's a lot more coming than what you're seeing on the shelves now. What types of devices do you think we're going to see more of in 2024 besides robot vacuums? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so appliances, so refrigerators, washers, air conditioners, ovens, you know, those are all device types, Uh, air purifiers. um, Those are all device types that uh, were announced in 1.2. So I think we'll start to see a trickle of those types of devices come out. In 2024, certainly we'll start to see some of those devices be made available. The other thing that I always get asked about, um, and it's not in 1.2, so it wasn't ready yet, but it's cameras. And I think as cameras become available, hopefully towards, uh, let's say, um, as cameras are supported in the spec, which I am hoping is the end of next year, that's really the device type that, that we keep getting asked about. It really will sort of complete the smart home portfolio as it looks like today. And I think we'll start to see those really quickly once the specification supports those. But that is a later next year kind of a target. What about health monitoring devices? I realize a camera can be a health monitoring device if it's on a person, but there are a lot of other sensors that people are starting to use to monitor patients in the home, right? Yeah. So we we look at health and wellness in two different ways. And we have actually, uh, I mentioned seven different working groups. One of our working groups is called the Health and Wellness Working Group. And it has a long-term goal for what one might call hospital at home. If your doctor prescribes some device to monitor you, and that is a connected device and it comes into your front door, that really should be a matter device, right? It should be able to scan a barcode on it and then boom, it's just connected to the network. It's sending data where it needs to send. Or maybe my doctor gave me another piece of paper with a different barcode that I scan my phone on and then my oximeter data or glucose monitor data is going to that doctor's cloud or whatever. He has access to it maybe. So that's the longer term goal. And the reason we made it its own working group is because there's a lot of problems that need to be solved for that. Identity, like who am I as I scan that barcode? Um, Right now, identity is really kept into the ecosystems. Matter doesn't really touch identity. Security, we think the bar is quite high for security, but it probably needs to be even higher for health and wellness. The privacy concerns for health and wellness need to be higher. Again, each of those security and privacy things are kept into the ecosystems now, but those are working groups that we are trying to help our members communicate with consumers about where their product security is and how good their data privacy is or what they actually do with your data. So that's all the sort of longer term road that we have for health and wellness. On the near term, we're targeting what we're calling aging in place. 
And these are really things that your existing sensors can do. My mom lives alone and I don't want to spy on her or anything like that, but it would be great if there were some sensors around the house that could just keep me up to date. Like, is she moving as well as she was yesterday? Or more importantly, kind of tell me if she's not moving around as well as she was yesterday. Has she made her breakfast? Again, has she not made her breakfast? Did she not open the fridge at the same time she did the other days and stuff? So don't spy on her in any way, shape or form, but maybe notify me if there's some kind of an exception. And it is really the devices that we're already working on, door locks, sensors, appliances, all those kinds of things can really help someone age in place and can can help loved ones stay connected in that capacity with, we're talking about aging in place, but same for anyone living alone, really. If someone falls and doesn't get up, which sensors can tell now, maybe notify someone, and then also maybe unlock the door when the ambulance does get to the front door instead of having to break that down or something, you know? So lots of little ways that I think the devices that we have today in Matter can really start to move the needle on health and wellness with that longer-term target of, of, you know, those prescribed devices or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. And, and in an emergency healthcare situation, that's when it's so important that the devices can communicate with one another. So it seems like matter has a big role to play there. So we're coming up on CES and early next month. Well, it's almost December. So early in January, we're going to be looking at CES. Do you have any predictions related to matter for CES? Yeah, I mean, especially since I can just sort of say what I want as predictions for myself. But um, but yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, we've already heard a lot of our members are going to be at CES and we know there's going to be some announcements there. We'll be at CES as well. If anyone wants to reach out, that would be great. And there are two events that CES is sponsoring and we're, we're co-sponsoring. I think they're both on Thursday night towards the end on health and wellness. So they're connected health pavilion and then another smart home event that we'll be at as well. And so we're expecting, on the health and wellness side in particular, the connected health side, I'm expecting a lot of interest of those companies that, there's hundreds of companies in this this area, they're all doing connected health. Most of them have products, and they're all fantastic products, but they're often, I have a fantastic sensor, and then I try to build my business around this fantastic sensor. That means I have to go and build the connectivity for it, the apps for it, and all that other stuff. Matter. For smart home has really solved a lot of that. What is the connectivity you should use? Well, it's our spec and we have a reference implementation for it. And so I think health and wellness on top of matter could really start to move that along as well. And again, it solves the other problems that we've talked about here where, you know, okay, if I want to make my connected device work, do I want it to only work with Apple devices or only work with Google devices or only work with Samsung devices or like matter, it really could work with all of the devices. And for health and wellness, I think that's key and basically a requirement and why uh, companies have been doing things differently with, with a lot of Bluetooth in particular. So hopefully matter can really start to improve that process of having a connected medical device be easier to use. Definitely. We're hearing a lot from some of our other guests on the podcast about Wi-Fi 7. Is Wi-Fi 7 going to be a boost for Matter? I think it will. It's not something that we have to worry about. We're IP-based, and so we already uh, have methods of getting a device easily onto a Wi-Fi network. And all that will work the same with Wi-Fi 7 or any of the other Wi-Fi advances that you guys are working on. You know, in particular, we're working closely with the Wi-Fi Alliance on new pairing methods for smart devices, easier to use than, than some of the other beacon-based methods that, that Wi-Fi has. So I'm particularly excited about that, and that's what we're kind of focusing on, making it easier to get this device onto any network. But yeah, I think Wi-Fi 7, just in terms of its capabilities, will now bring more bring those capabilities to the device types themselves. And that's where I think we can really start to see things improve across the board. Sounds good. 
Now, one thing that you talked about a little bit earlier that I wanted to circle back to before we finished was EVs. Do you have conversations with car makers? Are the automakers interested in matter? Is that something that we're likely to see? Yes. So there's already a number of standards with electric vehicle chargers themselves, both two-way, you know, and all that. And matter is really a language. You mentioned that. So above that, what are the capabilities of this device before I plug it into my home? Can I actually draw current from it or not? We're seeing a lot of that in our energy management work. So we've already talked about energy management. That's been in process for quite some time. We're actually just starting a car connectivity group, which is more, okay, as the car approaches my home, Maybe I was listening to a particular song, and as I go into my kitchen, play that same song on, in the kitchen, or let that music follow me, that kind of thing. Or the, the heating preferences that I have in my home, have those follow me into the car, those types of things. Just starting that work. But both of those pieces of work, work efforts, I should call them, have attracted car manufacturers. I don't really want to mention any names or anything like that, but, but a number of car manufacturers are members. You can look at our website as which, which ones are, and a number of other ones are, uh, are talking to us about joining as well. So there's been a lot of interest in both of those places. Very good. All right, if you had to make an educated guess, a year from now, roughly about how many different types of devices do you think will be certified for matter? Oh, that's a really good question. You said it was about 1,300 as of the end of October. We're seeing it, I'm going to say, broadly accelerate. You know, it's been bumpy, just as you expect with summer and other holidays and stuff. But broadly speaking, there is an acceleration. And I would expect that acceleration to grow, particularly as we add more device types. Just a month ago, we were, I'm going to make a number up because I don't know, we were roughly 20 devices that you could certify. And now we're 29 devices that you can certify, right? So that in itself will accelerate. 1.3 1.3 will add more devices, 1.4 will add more devices. So as the, the breadth of device types expands, I think we'll see more and more certifications come. With what I said before, though, needing to be taken into account that the quality of these products is key. You know, a connected device is much more complicated than just the device. So we want to make sure everyone is selling good quality products, and we don't want anyone to rush products out just to say, oh, it's a new matter device, it's first that has to be taken into account. But like I said, 1300 up into about a year and we are accelerating. So I don't know, take that and sort of extend it. You know, <laughs> We're going to have to invite you back on the podcast if we want a more concrete answer, right? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Chris Lepre, head of technology at the Connectivity Standards Alliance. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Martha. And that is our show. Don't forget to check the show notes for more resources and be sure to follow The Signal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course at the Wi-Fi Alliance. That's y-fi.org. I'm Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance. Thanks for listening and please join us next time on The Signal. 